0: to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us.
1: All right, we're back here on the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. You know, this is something that we started last year where the USTF CCCA, the United States Track and Field and Cross-Country Coaches Association, who – You just heard last week from their CEO, Sam Seams, Uh, every year they go out and find the the best high school coach, boys and girls for each state. So they name, you know, 50 DC as well. So 51 boys, uh, state coaches of the year and 51 girls, state coaches of the year. And then I don't know how they do it because it's so many amazing uh, coaches out there. They boil that down to one national high school coach of the year. And I'm so, we're lucky. We've got the boys, the 2022, right? Is that the right year? 2022 National High School Boys Coach of the Year. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Mr. Tim Byrne. Tim, how are you, sir?
2: I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me here today, man.
1: All right. Well, now I'm about to do the hardest thing I think we're going to have on this podcast today. Uh, You notice I normally say I've got the coach of such and such university or such and such high school. I, I I cowered it out. I didn't even say but I'm going to try it. Okay, so uh, Tim here, our guest, the Boys National Coach of the Year, he coaches up in Delaware at Silesianum High School. How'd I do?
2: You nailed it, man. There oh, you go. man. Silesianum.
1: I love oh. it. I love it. Is is that the name of the town? What What is that name?
2: Silesianum is the name of our school. It translates in Latin to House of Sales, meaning it's a byproduct of St. Francis the Sales, I, our patron saint.
1: I thought you were going to tell me the house of sales. I thought this was like a sales man, sales professional workshop. I was, I was about to get really excited here. Oh man. Okay. All no, right.
2: Funny enough when we run uh you know, we run at nationals, that's our, our, our tag name and you know, we can't run under Silesianum. So we run under house of sales because it literally means Silesian.
1: I love that. Do you have a shirt yeah. that says house of sales?
2: I don't, but we need to get new oh. pennies for nationals this year. That's another story I could tell you later. How we I, almost got DQ'd at nationals this
1: year. <laughs> I say, if you ever get a a shirt that says House of Sales or something, I I I got to be first in line. I man, I would love to rock that. That's awesome
2: for the national sales manager.
1: That's exactly exactly. Well, Tim, man, you know, uh, really, thank you so much for being here. Really happy to have you here. It's uh, it's really a big honor um, to be named the national boys high school coach of the year. I mean, there are twelve to fifteen thousand high school programs out there. Uh, This is no small task. Uh, We're going to get into what happened this year? What, you know, what in the world culminated? Uh, the co- the assistant coaches on your staff, parents, uh, uh, administrative support, there has to be just this, uh, I'm assuming, I, it, full disclosure, Tim and I don't really talk about this before we hit record. I don't really know how the season came just so we can hear it fresh, me and you together. So we're going to find out just how everything kind of worked together and, and really kind of a, an amazing season to be named uh, the National High School Boys Coach of the Year. But before we get there, Tim, let's kind of get in our Wayback Machine here. And let's learn more about you. At some point, assuming you were an athlete, at some point, coaching switched from something that's done to you, you know, coach barks out, go do this, go do that. And you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and go do it. To it had to had to switch in your head to an idea of like, oh, wait a minute, like I actually like I could do this. Like I could I could actually coach, like I could right. be a leader. Where does coaching as a as an idea of a profession come into your life?
2: Well, I don't know if I ever thought of it as a profession, but the first time I ever really gave any credence to or thought about it was I think like a lot of guys and a lot of young boys as their father. Mm -hmm. You know, your dad is one of your first coaches. And for me, as a youth football player, my dad coached me in youth football. Um, My dad worked uh, for PSE&G, which is an electric company in Jersey. You know, he was doing work out out on cherry pickers. Eventually, moved his way up. He's working in the office. One thing he always stressed me or always told me, rather not stressed me, but he he said is he kind of had some regret. He wishes he went into teaching and coaching. Mm -hmm. And I always remembered that. And that from that point on, when I was little, I was like, I want to be a teacher and a coach. I didn't really think of coaching as like, like a job job. I was like, something that you just do if you teach. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that was kind of my first foray into everything was my, was definitely my dad saying that to me. And from there, that's, I, I knew growing up, I was like, I want to be a teacher and a coach. And I did pivot for one minute there. I had a little, at, at some point it, it clicked in my head. I was like, well, you're not going to make any money being a teacher. So you need to do something stupid. You need to do something different because that's going to be stupid if you just do it. So I I, I get to, I get to UD and I initially wanted to declare environmental science because, you know, that's that's going to pay the bills somehow. That was I don't know. It was different. I was like, all right, let's do environmental science. I took one, uh, two weeks of chem and I was like, this is it for me. I'm going back <laughs> to doing social studies and special ed. So here we are.
1: I, I think chem like, 101 has killed many, many dreams.
2: <laughs> I was so far over my head. And, oh, my gosh. You
1: yeah. know, it's interesting right off the bat, Tim, you talked about your dad's um I'm gonna say advice or, you know, lesson. He probably didn't even know he was giving you a lesson. It was just his speaking his truth and his reality when he talked about, "Boy, you know, I had one kind of regret. I wish I had become a teacher. Regret is a powerful tool, one that we can either uh, use because we don't allow ourselves to have any regrets or if we do things and have regrets, the tool of like, man, I wish I could have done something different. So now what do I do today knowing that? I mean, that, that's yeah. really interesting that, you, you know, your your dad almost sacrificed to have that regret for you so that you didn't have to go through that. I'll I'll bet that one small diversion to environmental science. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm that kid. I'm that kid that always, I think there's a lot of kids like that. All they want to do is like, they want to make their their dad proud of them. Like, and they want like, that's like, that's like, he was like, that's my, my hero. Like, that's who I want Mm. to be proud of me. And like, I'm always thinking about him, you know, uh, and, and, and everything I do, it's like, I you know, I, I got him in the back of my mind. Like I'm always thinking about him. And that's, I'm not, that's no uh slight to my mother as well. I love her so much. She's sure. the best, you know, she's kept our family like in a great spot. Um, but just dating, especially with coaching and teaching, it just hits like really close with my dad. It's like mm-hmm. very, very close. And you talked about regret. I have tons of regrets. And I tell the kids all the time, like we, we tend to learn through regrets and we learn the hard way a lot in life. Like that's how we actually learn. You just hope it's not so bad that, you know, you can recover for it. But right. I mean, I got, I, got a, I got a list a mile long of regrets and things that, you know, I wish were different.
1: So you mentioned UD. I'm assuming that's University of Delaware. Yes. So were, were you an athlete there or just through high school or what?
2: Yeah. So grow, growing up in New York, uh I grew up right outside New York City, um, went to high school in North Jersey, uh, Don Bosco Prep which oh, is an all boys Catholic high school, very similar to Silesiana. That That's a big um, time
1: um, football program, right? I remember, I think I've yeah. heard Don Bosco a lot. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. National champions uh-huh. and football. I played, uh, you know, I played football, did track and field at Don Bosco. A lot, lot of life lessons were there. Some of my best friends from there. Um, and then uh, coming out of Bosco, had the opportunity to get, get a track and field scholarship from the university of Delaware. Um, so, Came down to UD in the fall of that uh, 2010, I believe. Um, get to UD, um, recruited by uh, Jim Fisher, was our head coach at the time. And then somebody who I'm sure we'll talk about a bunch today is uh, Larry Pratt. Uh, he was one of the best master's throwers uh, in the country. And he's, he was the throws coach at UD, I think, for 53 years. Wow. Um, very, very long career at UD. One of the best throws coaches in the country that nobody's ever heard of. Um, and that's not even true because he's also a national record holder as a master thrower. Wow. Um, master throwing is another thing we could get into a bunch. We could talk to you about that. So I get to D um in the fall, I get my first season is we're in the middle of our first season, our first indoor season, and in the January of 2011 we get a call from or we get an email saying that we have to meet down at the Bob Carpenter Center. And uh Bernard Muir is our AD at the time, he's now the A D at Stanford, and we find out that our program's being cut oh, no. and that our program's being eliminated. So, Hey, enjoy this upcoming outdoor season. Cause this outdoor season is going to be your last season as a varsity sport here at Delaware. Um, and then from that point, you know, everybody's angry, everybody's upset, scrambling, are we transferring? You know, we have schools looking at some of us already saying, you know, why don't you come here? Why don't you come there? Um, and we had the way with that. We had the way that those options at the time, um, part of what was like, well, let me, let me hang out at the Delaware. County, let's see how this goes is, uh, was coach Pratt and mm-hmm. coach Marlene. The two of them just absolutely like made it hard to want to leave because we were like their children mm-hmm. and they were like our parents. Um, didn't also hurt at the time I began, you know, dating my now wife, Courtney. Um, you know, we've been, we've been together over 11 years now. Oh. Um, uh, and she was on the girls team and, uh, you know, I, I was really, I was really happy. Like that outdoor season went really well, that varsity season. I got the school freshman record in the shot. Um, And, and uh, th- those two things sort of played in. So it was like, you know, we're going to keep our scholarships, but we're not varsity anymore. So we're going to, we're going to try the club life. The girls are still varsity. That was a, you know, that left the point of contention. We were always busting the girls chops about, it was like, you know, oh, I wish we still were able to go to Penn Relays. Oh, I wish we were still able to go to IC4A's. (laughs) I wish we could qualify for regionals, you know, when they would be complaining about traveling or doing something. It's like, well, we're traveling ourselves. Or Coach Pratt's driving us in the van somewhere. Um, You know, you don't know what you kind of have until it's gone.
1: You know, we've had coaches, uh, most recently, Jim Sprecher, head coach of Lynchburg University, who have been through programs being dropped in their professional as they were the coaches there. And it's just devastating. I mean, that's just just nonsense. As you yeah. look as you look back on it now, what was it like as an athlete? Like you know, I think about I, I focus on coaches, right? So when I hear about a program being cut, my my heart automatically goes to the coach and their family and all the work they've done and it's just poof, it's just just gone. As an athlete, you do have options, and you chose a, I don't know if this is normal or not option, but you stayed, which I love that, because that means like UD was the right place for you, regardless of track specifically. So, you know, it just all boiled down to that, all the things, uh, you know, meeting Courtney, having the coach that could still be there and everything that was Mm -hmm. the right place for you. What was it like as an athlete? And two, now that you can look back and think about it, were there any signs that you maybe didn't, you couldn't pick up as an 18, 19 year old kid, but now as an adult, you're like, oh, you know what? I didn't realize I did see this and maybe the writing was on the wall and I just couldn't read it.
2: Well, to your point, UD was a hundred percent the right place for me at the right time. And I've said it multiple times. I think UD gate was probably the best thing that ever happened to me between obviously meeting my wife, Mm -hmm. um, the experience I had there and meeting coach Pratt and Marlene, who were truly my other set of parents you know mm-hmm. I, I i just i love them so much and but uh, the writing on the wall thing he mentioned is funny two years prior they cut the indoor team so we were only outdoor at the time we still indoor we were competing already as a club mm-hmm. so they competed they, they eliminated the outdoor program there was no true inkling though that we ever thought the program was going to be eliminated because they just offered you know they just recruited a whole freshman class of guys they divvied out scholarship money Uh, so I wasn't sure why, I mean, and they cited it, uh, I believe the administration at the time cited it as financial concerns and title nine Hmm. citing, you know, equal opportunities uh, for sports. So men's track and field was dropped and women's golf was added, Hmm. you know, so they, they took the, you know, a roster of 40 guys out the window and they added women's golf with about eight, eight girls starting a women's golf team. So it was an unbelievable. you know, an unfortunate part of it. Luckily, the nature of track, and you know, we can compete club, we could compete unattached. But there was something very, uh I don't know what whether I, the right word is either like emasculating or there was something like very hollow about getting your varsity status like ripped away from you. I think we all, like all of my throwing teammates and I, like struggled with that losing that that sense of being a varsity ncaa athlete. Like we were outside of the weight room thank god ud let us still lift in the the varsity weight room and use the strength coaches i mean we were kind of eliminated from a lot of the uh the other like day-to-day operations um in the athletic department i mean to this day my wife still gets uh letters in the mail from the athletic department asking for donations i don't get anything and i think it's in part because they like you know, we were wiped off the face of the earth. Like I don't know, if they don't look at us as a sport, or maybe because they're like, we hey, we cut this program. We're not gonna, we're not gonna ask you for money. But I do love UD. I yeah. do love UD. It gave me some of the best things ever in my life. Um, that was a decision that was, you know, those were other people in the background making those decisions.
1: What's UD's? Are they the Mud Hens or is that Delaware State? We are the Blue Hens, baby. The blue Hens, Blue, blue Hens. hens. That's it. Yeah, we yeah. We are I the love only.
2: It. Only female mascot in Division One sports. That's is a that fun right? That is
1: correct. Oh wow. Blue hen. So is that a uh am gonna But you're gonna get so mad at me as a UD alum. Is that a chicken? Is that what that is?
2: It's a fighting bird.
1: It's a fighting I, bird, okay.
2: It's a fighting bird. I I mean, I mean I don't even know. <laughs> like I don't know if I'd call it a chicken like chicken or hen or, or whatever. I know it's a fighting bird. Okay. It's a blue hen and it's a female.
1: That's so, so we need to get like a, a football game or a, a dual meet between you, the university of Delaware and uh coastal Carolina, you know, they're the Chanticleers. And that's also, oh. I don't know if it's a chicken or something, but it's a fighting bird. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. The only reason I know that is one, they're in our, my alma mater's conference and two our, um one of our sales reps here. Our pole vault expert was a pole vaulter at coastal Carolina and they play my, my beloved Troy Trojans. And mm-hmm. l- lately they've been coming out on top. So I got to hear about it from, from this guy over here. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, did you take the time, like you, you said you kept competing cause you had these amazing coaches and coach Pratt and coach Pratt, <laughs> uh, did you continue, uh, competing like as an unattached or as a club athlete, or did any thought ever spend of like, okay, well maybe I should like start helping out the girls team as like a coach? like did, did coaching start coming in? Like, oh, maybe I should just kind of start transitioning that way.
2: No, I mean, we went, we just stayed right on competing. And we competed as club athletes and as unattached athletes. Um, <laughs> the thought of, you know, obviously, we were still practicing with the girls. We were still working with Coach Pratt, Coach Marlene. Um, we were still in the Delaware Fieldhouse, uh, you know, shot, weight, fall lifts, disc, hammer, the whole shebang, um, and traveling the meets, hmm. um, you know, right off the jump. And um, my so the year after, this is where we kind of hit like the biggest like adversity point that I kind of p- think back to the year after, uh, we were cut. So following freshman year, we get to the fall competing. Everything's, I mean, not competing yet, preseason stuff. Everything's going okay. Um, we get to November about 2011 and, uh, you know, my, my father had passed away at that point. And this was, uh, he had been very sick for a while in 2007 when I was in high school he had a, another stroke that sort of really messed up his depth perception his diabetes really started getting a hold of him and he was really deteriorating both like mentally and physically I mean he wasn't the same person. It's very sad to like watch somebody go through that so like I you know it, it I'm not um like i'm I'm privy to that so if he passed yeah. away i remember, I'll never forget it. it was the the night before it was my gonna be my 20th birthday I'm out with Courtney. And uh, I'm talking to my dad on the phone night before I just hit an all time bench press PR and I am not a strong guy. I'm a thrower, but I like I am not super strong at the time. I think it was a PR. I, I think I hit 335, which you talk to most throwers and be like, that's not that good of a bench press for a thrower. So I'm telling my dad about this. We're all excited. He's like, oh, OK, look like, what are you doing tonight. I'm going to hang out with Courtney. Tomorrow's my birthday. We're going to do whatever. He's like, OK, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Wake up the next morning thank God Courtney's with me. And I get a call from my home phone. Oh, I see it on my, no. on my phone. It says home. I'm like, Oh, it's probably my mom and my dad calling me. And I'll never forget is my mom calling me on the phone and saying, she's like, you know, honey, dad had another stroke last night. Like he passed away. Hmm. It's the morning of my birthday. And this is, you know, my, my father passed away on my birthday. It's something I, I'm always weird now, like a little bit about my birthday uh, in part because of that. And, you know, from there, we believe we fast forward a month we get to the indoor season um you know i'm still practicing but i I mean i could tell you mike like i like the head wasn't in it the heart wasn't in it
3: Mm.
2: way too much time doing things that shouldn't been doing instead of training i mean i had a i had a pretty bad indoor and outdoor season didn't even break my prs from freshman year after a great freshman Mm. season uh and at that point i mean i just i just kind of drifted through the outdoor season it was just sort of a lost year um yeah we get to the, the fall of, of 2012 uh, and and something just clicked in my head. Like I said earlier, like, like you want your, you want your dad to be proud of you. And it, it, from that point on, it was like, you look, like you have, you know, you, you live two lives at that point. Like you live your own life, you live the life, you know, for your dad. And like, you're like, that's why you bring a certain like attitude and energy to what you do because it's not just about you anymore and, and and whether that's my own like mental or personal psychological things to work through you know with with a therapist or something I, I always took that on as like like you live two lives and like i i had to do it in my head it kept me going i was like you have to do it for your day.
3: Mm.
2: i was like and, and if that means like you know i wanted that ud school record even as a club guy i was like i'm getting that ud school record i my name up on that sign all right and in some way like that'll magically fix everything and like you know yeah, you know, Dad'll. You know, I know my Dad wasn't coming back, but he'd be proud, and and I hope he is. Regardless, my mom and people tell me all the time that he is and he should be, um. But it's just it's something I think about, and I have to work through that myself. Um. So that's what got me going again. Was was really just that year, that bad year, thinking of my Dad, and was like, all right, now we're taking off. Junior season went great. Went to Club Nationals, took a shot, put title. Um, big PRs out at Indiana University. Oh yeah. Very, very nice facility. That was the only time i have been in Bloomington Um, because we were cut, couldn't go to regionals. I know they used to have regionals at Bloomington Mm -hmm. every once in a while. Um, And then we get to senior year at UD. um, Really on the door of that school record, man, I'm about like a foot off. And then my senior year outdoor season just caught a shot real bad off the index finger. And my index finger was just fried and I couldn't release it anymore. And I'm, and I'm sitting there about to graduate and I'm like, crap, I have, you know, I'm not going to get this. Like my season was over in mid April. Um, and then that transitioned to a whole nother story, but that was sort of the UD career. That was the trajectory coach Pratt with me along the way. When I talked about my second dad and my second set of parents, those two got me through that time unquestioned. So did my wife. So did Courtney Mm -hmm. and Courtney, you know, was my girlfriend at the time and we had, you know, we'd been dating, but I. Like, I will never forget how she was always, she was with me when I got the call that day to find out that my dad passed away. And I'm not like ashamed to say, I, I think I cried for like 12 sure. hours straight and she sat with me the whole time.
1: You know, it's interesting, Tim. And, you know, it's the, the not only how you speak of your dad, not only what you speak of your dad, but how you speak of your dad. Like it's, um, yeah, it's it's painfully obvious the love that you have. Not had have for your dad. Uh, and I know, you know, we we can't go through it twice and things like that. You probably relive it in your head a million times. but like, and i and I'm a little different when I think about people passing away and things like that. when When I heard that story, that one of the last things your dad heard from you, was your excitement level because of the bench press PR hanging out with your girlfriend who he probably, you know, your dad sounds like a pretty smart guy. He probably was already like, yeah, okay. This is the future (laughs) misses here. We know who this is. Come on now. Like, (laughs) Like that was the last thing that he heard on earth. Like, like to me that gives me such joy. Like, oh, man. He didn't have to go out because tim Tim's last thing, his son, his his love, his love of his life, the last thing was the program getting cut, a girl breaking up with him, finger yeah. getting busted. His last thing hearing was, oh, man, listen to how happy my son is because that's that's why he worked so hard his whole life was to make yeah. you happy and the family happy and 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 joyous and and prosperous. And that's the last things he heard, man, let me tell you what when I go, I hope I'm half of what your dad heard. I hope I hear on my, my last day that my son and my daughter are so friggin' happy. That's the yeah, way to go, it, buddy, man, your dad, uh, lucky and you are lucky to have had him during the time you did,
0: man.
2: Thank you. And, it, and it's funny you say that. Cause I do think about that all the time. At, at, like, I am so happy that that last conversation was a positive one because mm-hmm. my dad was a hothead. <laughs> and, a, you know, like, he talked about being Irish before, I all mean, right. <laughs> you know, he would absolutely go berserk sometimes. And there's, it is quite possible. It could have been a real, like, bad last conversation. And I think about that all the time. Like, everybody's like, like, uh, like, I don't want, the, I would never, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I would hate to have to reckon with that every day. If that last time we were talking, cause I, cause I just remember it so vividly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if it was something that was like really, really negative, like, I'm so happy that it was something that was like positive.
1: Yeah, you hear so about that. It just but, gives
2: me some mental clarity.
1: Yeah, you hear about that. The last thing I said to my loved one before they passed was, F you, blah, blah, blah. We got into an argument. And your last words were, yeah. Dad, I am so happy I'm hanging out with my girlfriend, Courtney. And look what happened today. I got a PR. And he probably was like, man, that's awesome. 330. I never benched 330. You know, it's It was a great conversation. That That yep. is the opposite of regrets. You would have regrets yes. if it was an argument. You get the opposite. Whatever what is the opposite of regrets? Happy? I don't know. Whatever it is. <laughs> that's what you and he got. And that's that's amazing, man. I I love to hear that. Yeah. So continuing on, you I, I hate that you busted up your finger. I got that visual when you when you said that because I think about like I've shaken the hands of like, you know, Joe Kovacs and Ryan Krausers. There's some amazing people. And you know, their yeah. hands are always so big not just big because they're yep. big individuals but you know the 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 abuse that they put on their bodies not only lifting weights but then that 16 pound and you know they train with 20 pounds mm-hmm. always coming off the fingertips man it's just like oh man they're joints like i i i got yep. worried like man are they gonna have arthritis i don't know i don't know enough about okay. it uh so having that picture when you said that it's like oh i could actually absolutely see that finger and it's just yeah there, there ain't no quick healing with that what um what degree did you end up graduating there uh, from the blue hens and what was the the next step for you professionally
2: yeah. There's a little bit of redemption there. So oh, like, okay. uh, like, like, like I said, uh, I, I was, I really wanted that school record. I really wanted, like I was never going to be eligible for a CAA title because CA wouldn't allow us to compete as a club, obviously. Right. Um, so there was something missing. It was like, I, I, I need it in my head. I had it built up in my head at the time. It was like, if you get, get that school record, get, get a conference title. Like, magically you'll be happy newsflash that doesn't just magically make you happy but <laughs>
3: that's a good I had news to pursue flash. that.
2: yeah well, tell this guy that many years ago he would have told you you're crazy because all i needed in life was to win get a school record and, and win a conference title and i would right. have been the happiest guy on earth <laughs> so at the time you know my career at ud was gonna be over i was like well what do i do here now i was like i still have eligibility i i like and I, it stinks I can't use it at UD and I can't use it with Coach. Like I want to be with Coach Pratt, but I have eligibility. I was like, and I'm going to go, let me like, you know, let me forego student teaching and let me put it off into my grad program and let me go find a grad program back home. I'll go back home with my mom, go back to New York and let me start, and let me find a school in the New York City metro area where I can compete and I can get my degree. Shoot, maybe they'll pay for it. Maybe they'll give me some money. So after siphoning through, I land at FDU in Hackensack, Fairleigh Dickinson University in North Jersey. Very easy to get to from my house, no problem. Um, So I get there at FDU. Vinny Alardo, who threw for Mama when I was at UD, was now the assistant coach there. Vinny is probably like four or five years older than me. He's not there anymore, but he was there at the time, so I knew Vinny. So hey, Vinny, like I still got eligibility here. Like, can we make this happen? He gets me in touch with Coach uh, Charlene. Coach Charlene Millwood Lee's the head coach at FDU. I think she's one of one of I think I think it's like maybe sixty coaches nationally. Don't quote me on that. That are female head coaches. Mm. Um, very intense woman. Very strong. A great woman. Great sprints coach. Um, obviously, I'm not there to sprint. So, <laughs> long story short, we get set up at FDU. Um, I get in. I get in the masters program there. Um, they're throwing me some money, and I and I start training with FDU. Uh, in the fall of the ne- next year. So I'm training with them. I am uh, – so fall 2014 and then spring 2015, I get I get back on the schnod. I get a, in indoor season. I get a varsity indoor season and a varsity outdoor season. So, uh, you yeah, know, I'm training with, with those guys. Still talking to Coach Pratt all the time, keeping in touch. Indoor season goes uh, great. Uh, I set the indoor school record at FDU a uh, place at IC4A, get uh, an NEC title. That was the NEC conference in the shot, wow. scored some points in the weight. Fast forward to outdoor season, pen relays, boom, check, get in the pen, which I was happy about again. I, I went as a freshman at UD, but I wanted to go again, got the pen, win the NEC outdoor title in the shot and the discus. Um, add on top of that, get the field event athlete of the meet. So I'm checking all these boxes and I'm like, oh man, Everything, get the school record for outdoor, everything I wanted to do, I get. Wow. And then when we we're going into the conference week for that outdoor season, I'm like, you know what? I really want to get like, I'm right on the cusp for regionals. Like I'm at, I'm at like 46, 40, like I need to get in the regionals. So I just shifted what was going to make me happy to a whole new thing. And long <laughs> story short, I go, so. to, I go to IC4A's, I don't get in the regionals because I get bumped out by a couple of guys. I get knocked down below the 48. Um, yeah. So it's like, you get what you want. And then all of a sudden you wanted something else. So I still left there. I was like, I did everything I wanted to do. And then I was like, if only I made it to region. Mm. And that's, that was, that's been a story ever since then. It's just constantly like shifting what you want. And finally, like, especially through Courtney, like you realize, like, she really got it through my head. It's like, it doesn't get any better than like right now. Mm. Like, you have to believe that. Like, it's not going to be doing X makes you happy. When I started coaching, it was like, well, when I win my first state championship at Silesian, I'm going to be happy. When I win coach of the year award, mm-hmm. which is still crazy that, you know, there's there's definitely more deserving people, but I, that that's going to make you happy. All these mm-hmm. things that I always thought I wanted, like I, I've been able to like earn and I'm so happy about that and, and get them. But it doesn't necessarily just make you happy. Mm -hmm. That's like one thing I've really learned.
0: Isn't that a uh, crazy
1: tug of war? Because on one hand, you're pulling and you're like, I need to be happy where I am right now, where my two feet are with my my family, my athleticism, whatever else is going on. But then you have the other side pulling and go, well, I always want to be striving, especially as athletes, because we are always like, what's the next PR? What's the next? conference title what's the next regional yeah. etc if i go to nationals well how do i get to the next place up how do i win and then it, it continues right because okay now there's national meets and then there's a little bit I mean, it, it never it never stops like i don't think even when you set the ryan krauser world record holder and olympian gold medalist so is he done where do you go yeah where do you go i'm i'm willing to bet he's not like he he's like all yeah. right well i guess i gotta set the world record you know kovacs is now on my butt so i better throw even i can't mm-hmm. rest i gotta throw even farther no one's ever won three medals in a row or whatever, I, you know, there's always something. So you always have that tug of war of like, man, I always want to be striving for the next something. It's what you teach your athletes, right? How do you continue to strive and push forward? Yeah. But yet also pulling on that same rope is, well, I should be happy right where I am as well. Like my identity is not wrapped up into what my PR or conference title is. It's in a whole bunch of other things. Uh, it's, it's a tricky life is tricky, yeah. right? I mean, maybe we've learned that at this stage and age of our life, that life is just yeah. tricky. <laughs>
2: I have a bad you just touched on something. I, I, I truly do, like I can recognize it now. Like I struggle with times with wrapping up my whole identity mm. in this stuff, like in what I'm doing, like in coaching. I mean, I, I also coach football here at Sally's, like and I and I work with the freshmen a lot. And and like I swear, I get so nervous and worked up before a freshman football game mm. that nobody sees, <laughs> that I know nobody's thinking about X. Ex- Aside from the guys that are in the program, and maybe their parents on the sideline watching, and I just think like it, it, and that's what I, like I, I wrestle with it in my head. Just, mm-hmm. I get so worked up, and it's like you you you're tying this up with your self worth, with your identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, then uh, there's a great line in The Sopranos, I think, where It's like uh, early in like season one. I know like Hesh is talking to Tony or something. He said something like, "Man is in total driven by his insecurities." Well, yeah there yeah he is yeah you know like it's a great way to, to get some stuff done but you know if you still don't have peace peace of mind and sound up here uh it's 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 bad for you that I, I i'm constantly working on that
1: i think we all are right i mean if you if someone uh would comment off that and say well I, i'm not and i'd be like really are you lying to yourself because I, mean, <laughs> I know a lot of people and there's always some uh, insecurities and uh, wrapping your identity into others and other things and other titles that yeah. really at the end of the day, the priorities might be a little, a little unprioritized mm-hmm. <laughs> directly. So where does uh, you get, you got your, so tell me your degree at Delaware and then what did you get your master's in?
2: So I did, I did history education for Delaware and at FDU, I did master's in teaching Um and then from there, haven't done anything else. Taking some other like additional coursework here and there to augment. Um, but I have my license for special education and social studies education. Currently at Sally's, um, you know, I student taught back home in North Jersey at Anthony Wayne Middle School in Wayne, New Jersey. Shout out to my my buddy Mike Alsa was the best cooperating teacher I've had. He genuinely, he's somebody I learned a ton from. I was scared as hell teaching for the first time, and that man. Took me in, like held my hand through it, walked me through it. He showed me what it's right to be. That's he's the example I think of when I think of like a good teacher. That's a guy who's a really good teacher, and teaching is coaching. We know that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mike, Mike is somebody who got me uh, much more comfortable in the classroom, much more comfortable in myself, in dealing with the kids. I mean, he's he's just the best. Um, and I still try to keep in touch with him
1: from time to time. Why? You know, this has nothing to do with coaching of track and field, but I'm curious because you said, you know, Mike really helped you like, you know, proverbial held your hand because you were scared as, as hell. <laughs> I'm curious because it's like, well, first of all, Tim, it's not an environment you weren't unaware of. You, you were a student yourself back in middle yeah. school. Uh, yeah. You went through schooling for how to teach. You had to do, uh, this was your student teaching. I think you said yeah. um, you have, uh, you, you've you had people with all their eyeballs on you when you're in the middle of a ring throwing. But yeah. now standing in front of twenty to 30 12 year olds has you scared stiff. Why is that? That's it's just interesting because you've done these other things and you and you know the environment. Because when people tell me they're they're nervous to get on stage, like when coaches, you know, their first time they're going to present and they're nervous. Yeah. They're like, oh well, that kind of makes sense. Like you've never been on stage to talk. I I get that. Uh, you may have been in front of your uh, team, but that's not yeah. strangers, so I can kind of understand that while these kids are strangers, if you're a teacher, you're going to have strangers every year because you're teaching new kids every year. You're very accomplished. You've been in the environment before. Why did that concern you? Why did that scare you? I think at the time it was because honestly, I hate to
2: sound so self-deprecating, but I really, I I think I just felt sort of like a failure at that point. And it was in part because, you know, I I had, I was, I had just finished my FDU season, which went great. Um, that was fine. But at this point, a lot of my other friends and buddies are all working already. My my wife is working. Mm-hmm. We're not living together. She's working out at the hospital in, in PA. You know, she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not like, contributing anything. Like, I'm, I'm student teaching, coupled with the fact that I had never done middle school before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was middle school. I teach high school now. And it was there where I learned I loved middle school. But I had this just – I had so many just built up. I still do. I i think I do. Like, I just have – I had it built up in my head, like, that it was going to be a challenge that I, I, I wasn't ready for. Like, I was genuinely just nervous. And I think now that I, I'm, like, a more seasoned teacher and coach, I see it with – I see it in young teachers. Like, they—they, you can be genuinely intimidated –
3: Mm-hmm. By an eleven
2: or twelve year old kid, right? <laughs> it's it's not that far fetched. It's not crazy. It's like that scene in Mean Girls with where they're raising their hands, mm-hmm. like who here has personally been victimized by Regina George? And you see the principal raise his hand. <laughs> <It's> right, <laughs> not that crazy. Like you want their respect. You want them to think you're good at what you do, and you put this pressure on yourself to make sure that's what you are. And then as time goes on, you learn that like more and more, it's like all right, they're just they're kids. Like you're the adult like you're the teacher you're the coach you know how to do this like mm-hmm. and it just it just took some time I just needed to get over myself early and it got so much easier my and as you get more comfortable you do better
1: my son just started middle school this year sixth grader and like it's laughable to me when I'm like who would be afraid of my kid like that's just but then like oh wait a minute there's 25 of my kids uh, okay yeah. they've got they've got numbers okay I get it <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Well, you obviously uh, got over it because you were continuing to teach. I love that. And yeah. uh, and you mentioned you uh, certified. And I know we talked before that uh, you teach special ed uh, programs and classes as well, which mm-hmm. I have a real soft spot. My best friend in the whole world, shout out, he's not a track guy at all. He's not, not even going to listen to this. But uh, my best friend in the whole world, we grew up like brothers, uh, is uh, my, my dear, dear friend, Brian Sanborn out in Maryland. And his younger brother, Bobby, has Down syndrome. So I grew up, with someone who had down syndrome and uh, volunteered in the classrooms and things like that and just had to learn how Mm -hmm. do you work and live with an individual that has this and things like that so uh, shout out to you for being a special ed teacher because my wife is a substitute teacher and she's substituted in those classes before as well and is there are no easy days, there are tons of rewarding days. But I have yet to hear anybody just tell me, "Oh, it's a breeze. It's simple. It's it's a lot of love, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of grace, uh, and then more love <laughs> on, yeah, on these kids." So, man, uh, so uh, grateful that we have people like you who have the patience and love to to work with these amazing people that that need need a lot of love, man. They really do.
2: No thanks, man. And and we're we're a private high school in Delaware, so we're 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 like an educational support program. And so we can't, like, we're not bound by necessarily, like, IEPs and 504s. I mean, we mm-hmm. do, we put as many accommodations in place that we can. Uh, we don't necessarily modify our content. We have a lot of kids in our program with specific learning disabilities, cases of autism that can be supported in a private school setting. But there are kids that, at a that we've had to turn away from the school because we just can't offer them the help mm-hmm. or support that we need that, you know, like a, a true, like, LDTC program in a public school might be able mm-hmm. to offer. Um, but that being said, I... I have the best job in the world. Like my program that we, that we, that we, I'm part of here at Sally's. like Christine Ronix, my co-teacher. She's like one of my best friends. Uh, the people I get to work with every day, Jackie Gaskell, like she's my, she's my boss. She's the director of ed support. I mean, we're just, we're so tight knit. Um, it's great. So I have from a teaching point, um, probably selling myself short for contract negotiation, but I said, but I just have the best <laughs> job in the world and I love it. I really that's do. Awesome,
1: man! I love it. Like I said, we need that passion and teachers. Not not even specifically today with everything that's going on, but we've from time that we've ever had schools, we've needed special people to yeah. be teachers, man. So I'm I'm really thankful that you and Christy and the rest of your team do that. What and was? I, I ha- oh, go go ahead, Mike? No, go, sorry. Go, 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 go
2: go I was just gonna say a lot of like I had some really. If you want to talk about like influence on I me? Mean, I had some great teachers back at Don Bosco Prep back in in mm. North Jersey and home. And I also had some horrible teachers and, you know, some coaches that like truly shaped my philosophy, whether it was for better
3: or for uh-huh, worse. Uh-huh.
2: Um, some of those teachers, I mean, for example, like uh, Kevin Kilduff was our cross country coach and he was a phenomenal science teacher at Don Bosco. Um, he was a cross country coach where worked with distance guys. Um, they won state, they won state championships when I was there in 2009 and eight, I believe. And I'm, I imagine you might be familiar with this program, but CBA down the Jersey mm-hmm. Shore with mm-hmm. Tommy Heath, legendary cross-country program. Don Bosco was able to knock them off in 2008, 2009. Oh. This was around the same time Mike McCabe was at Union Catholic. Oh, yeah. And he was getting Union Catholic going. Um, but I, I, I had so many good teachers there and so many good coaches there. Bosco was really where it like, kind of taught me about like winning and like how to construct a track team uh, to put together a winning program. I was also lucky that Jersey at the time was just churning out some amazing talent in oh, the yeah. running and throwing world. I threw alongside Nick Vina. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I got to watch Nick Vina's like meteorical rise mm-hmm. through the ranks in Jersey. That was insane. Uh, I'll never forget the meet of champions meet in two thousand nine down South Plains to watching Robbie Andrews break one fifty for the first time. <laughs> and I'm a I'm a thrower, but like this is how I knew I was starting to love track. I mean, I'm loving watching the races. A lot of my, a lot of the other guys we throw with are like football players who are just like, yeah, I'm just here to throw. And that's mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to go under 150 here. Um, Corey Crawford, who I think now coaches at Rutgers, uh, one jumper, he's a U.S. trials guy. Mm-hmm. He, he was jumping like 25 feet in high school. And there was, uh, there was such a plethora of talent in Jersey at the time. Um, sorry, I kind of circled no, around no, all good. just what? talking about good teachers at Bosco, but. Bosco is definitely a very formative experience shaping as at least modeling like good teams, good coaches, but also some how I would do things differently. Let's, let's say that for sure.
1: So I love that you shouted out Mike McCabe at Union Catholics. So that was last year's USTF CCCA Girls Coach of the Year. So he's a, he's now an officially a Gill Connections alum and was amazing to talk with him and learn his uh, his uh, journey and, and what happened last year for his magical season. Yeah, um, And of course, coaching you know, pretty good athletes, I guess, right? <laughs> but he's just, uh, just a couple—just
2: <laughs> Sydney and a couple others. Obviously, she gets she gets the uh, the the lion's share of the, the you, attention. But and yeah. I don't—I've never met Mike personally, but I mean, he's his record dude. speaks for itself over the years with what he's put out. at Union Catholic, I think, you know, when we went to nationals and Penn this year, you just see their teams everywhere, just mm. raining hell down on everybody. I mean, they're they're top notch.
1: You know Very what good. I? You know what I just observed is we both said Sydney and did not say her last name but we both and everybody listening right now knows exactly who we're talking yeah. about we mentioned two other <laughs> amazing athletes uh nick vena and uh robbie andrews who robbie andrews is still uh it was at drake i don't think it wouldn't have been at relays probably was at nationals at drake uh is one of the most exciting 800 meter races i've ever seen it, it, with mm-hmm. 600 to go When i'm talking about when he was at 600 meters to go the rest of the uh, i'm sorry 400 meters to, 200 meters to go uh the rest of the group had like uh 50 meters to go it felt like like this dude was so far out of the race like he wasn't in the race and he wins it it was most i mean that was robbie style uh but we both had to say robbie andrews and nick vena both amazing athletes in their own right but sydney we just had to say sydney she's uh she's the share she's the madonna uh you know exactly who we're talking about when we say Sydney. you know
2: you you know (laughs) you're a big deal when your name when you could just say one name Yeah. And uh, and that's it. And and, and everybody knows who you're talking about.
1: My problem is people say my first and last name and they still go, who? I I don't know who that might come out of this. (laughs) So, how did you get to? I was really working hard not to say the name of the high school because I don't want to butcher. How did you get to Silesianium? Oh, I I, thought. How did you get there uh, to this program and start leading this program?
2: Well, again, I got Coach Pratt, I think, to thank on this one a lot because, you know, he had he had point me, pointed me in their direction. But it's kind of like a, a little serendipity how I ended up here. So after student teaching is done, I'm applying for jobs all over the place. I don't know if I'm going to stay back home in New York, New Jersey, and teach, um, but I had a lot of connections in Delaware because of Coach Pratt and uh, because of the people I met at UD and the coaches, even did like a brief little high school coaching stint. for one year while I was still throwing at UD at Newark high school. Um, so there were just people I had met all over the place. Um, like Timmy Brock, who's the head coach of Providence. I think cross country, he's a Delaware guy. He was in the area. Like he hooked me up with that job. So we're applying for jobs. There's a little private uh, school, not too far in North Wilmington called St. Edmund's Academy. And I interviewed at St. Edmund's Academy for a social studies job. The principal there, Dr. Scott, I had known from college, um, so I'm interviewing for this job. Uh, it's me and like one other candidate. She calls me up. She says, "Hey, we're going with this other candidate. The, the plethora of experience was there, but there's a job that just opened at Silesianum that I think you would be really good for." So, fast forward two weeks, I end up interviewing at Silesianum for this job in this Ed Support program. Not what I was expecting to do. I thought, you know, I wasn't sure what it was. So I come here and I interview and you know, it's different than any sort of teaching job that I had done before because of the nature of how it's run in a private school. But that's how I ended up getting here. Like I was, I applied for a different job. The Dr. Scott said, I have, I know something just came open at Sally's. Let me call, let me call Father Beretta. Let me call the people over there and let's see if we can get you in there for an interview. I go in for the interview and get hired and that's it. I've been here ever since.
1: Wow. I, you know, that, that's so interesting because you know, you've heard of these, um, whether it's an athlete or uh, recording artist who gets all these, a book writer who gets all these rejection letters, and so they mm-hmm. they pin them up on their wall. And they're you're gonna, you know, the the proverbial um, second round pick in the NFL says, "I'm gonna make every team that didn't uh, draft me pay," and all this stuff, right? Um, but we we don't realize that where we are today is because those teams passed you up, or because those uh, publishing people didn't pick your book up. You're mm-hmm. at to Louisiana. Oh, I think I nailed it. Uh, because a, a school rejected you. And, and and that's a good thing. Like, thank goodness they did because of where you are now. Like this wouldn't have happened all these successes if they would have went the other way. So we sometimes forget that it's not just the positives. It is the people that the negatives and that reject us that create where we are in our positives. I mm-hmm. love that. And I love that. By the way, shout out. T- tell me the name of that school again that you didn't get the job, but they said, hey, there's a job. at <laughs> Louisiana.
2: St. Edmunds Academy.
1: Hey, yep. shout out to them because they easily could have been like, yeah, we're going somewhere else. Good luck. But, <laughs> but, that, but whoever that was, was like, wait a minute. Hey, I, there's another position that might be at another school that might be right. you." Yep. That's, that, that's, no, that's leadership there, man. I, I like that. That's, that's yeah. helpfulness. Yeah.
2: She's another person on a list of long list of people that I'm grateful to help kind of, kind of get me where I'm at. And Silesianum is one of the most special places you will ever be at. Um, it in northern delaware there is a there are a hotbed of private schools in this area mm-hmm. uh not too far down the road from us just for context like from a national perspective is archmere academy that's where president biden went mm. um so there's there's a whole bunch of private schools in this area so there's the competition is is intense but i can there is i cannot think of a place as a more rabid alumni investment fan base yeah investment in this community and in Silesian than i than I've ever seen. I mean, I'm a mm. UD alum. That's a major college with 16,000 people. And I don't hear people talk about UD the way people in this community talk about Silesianum, wow. anywhere you go, Silesianum in Delaware, anywhere you go in Del, like, I mean, honestly, even over the country, I mean, there's people who know Sally far and wide. Mm. It, it is such a, a, a name, such a brand, such a pillar in this community in Delaware. I mean, for example, like like Mike, and I'm just going to toot like our horn a little bit here for a second. Ooh, we recently, the last like 10 years or so from, in terms of fundraising donations, S- Silesian, it's all boys independent school, it's Catholic school, fairly, you know, there's some upper, upper class folks here. There's a lot of middle class. It was started as, as a really like a, like a middle working class private school for boys in this area. We received three, of the 30 largest donations ever to a private high school in the whole country. And there's no other school that appears on that list more than once. We've had gifts of up to 16 million, 12 million and 10 million, all by different people for different purposes.
3: Wow.
2: Um, One of them being for our, the renovation of Baynard stadium, which is directly across the street from us. Baynard stadium used to be operated by the city of Wilmington and Sally's has entered into a public private partnership with them. And we've kind of put the money up to renovate the stadium and and have signed like a fifty year lease with them, where now it's Baynard was awesome and but it's it's kind of outserved its usefulness now it's fully you know synthetic turf, eight lane beautiful track um so like any facility it definitely has its problems um but it's it's a gorgeous site, and it's a true representation of kind of that alumni base here. Wow of what people want to do that was donated by that money was put up by Rocco who graduated in the class, I think 59. Wow. Um, There's that kind of commitment to this place. So from operating the track and field team, it also helps when you have people that are invested in this, in this program, I can assure you there was no $16 million donations to the track and field team, (laughs) but to that stadium that we benefit from greatly, we are, we are very grateful here.
1: Well, tell us more about the school. Um, You said it's an all-boys Catholic school. Uh, How many Mm -hmm. students do you have? And did you become the head coach as soon as you got there? Or did you come in as an assistant?
2: No, it's all-boys Catholic school. We got Mm -hmm. about like 975-ish, usually like teeter around like a thousand boys, Mm -hmm. um, all four grades. So when I got here, I was lucky enough to just get on the staff and be the throws coach. Mm -hmm. Um, Joe Joffrey was the head coach at the time. Joff's a great friend of mine. He's the one who hired me. Um, and when Joff stepped down, um, Joff approached me about this and said, "Hey, I think you'd be, I think you'd be great to take this over and and be the head coach." And I remember just looking at him and being like, "You're out of your mind!" Like <laughs> I, and then truthfully, like I never thought or had real aspirations to be a head coach. Um, Bill DeNardo, who's our head football coach here, when I was still assistant coaching uh, there for for football, he approached me about being the head freshman coach. And even then, at the time, I was like coach like i'm not cut out to be a head coach and i give him and Joff some credit for like kind of giving me the opportunities and pushing me to do it and Mm -hmm. you know i took it and it was one of those things where in my head i i I said to myself i was like well like at least try it because you're gonna have more regret if you don't Mm -hmm. try it Mm -hmm. and and you know like you don't want to have regret i Mm -hmm. I, that's what i kept telling myself i was like i don't want to be like thinking oh what if i took that job what if i took the head coaching job i can always transition back and Mm um it definitely ramped it up for me like a whole nother notch, you know, before just worrying about uh, the throwers and their training and their programming to now, like you got a whole team to keep your eyes on. And I still work with the throwers day to day. Um, But God, we're lucky that we got, we got the best, best staff in the whole state. I mean, my guys are just outrageous at what they do. And I just, I'm so lucky I got them with me. I mean, like this, this, winning this award is very humbling and it's very nice. But and I think people have said it on the podcast before and years back, like it's 100 percent. It's a staff of the year award because I, I don't know any any coach that could do this by himself. I think I joked with you earlier, like like Boo could probably Bush Nexider could probably <laughs> coach a high school team all by himself and they'd, they'd compete for a state championship. Uh, but I don't think too many other people could do that. So my guys are just the absolute best at what they do.
1: Yeah, there's a few people I'd put that bet on. Who would be uh, the odds-on favorite, though, for sure on that. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, I love that that uh, Coach Joffrey and the football coach. You know, one of the powers of a coach is being able to see something in an athlete before they could see it in themselves. But that carries through beyond just the coach to athlete relationship. So here's two coaches who saw something in you before you could see it in yourself. It's like, hey, no, no, you could be a head coach. like you you should do this. You should do the freshman team. You should do the track team. Uh, and it, before you could actually see like, oh, wait, okay, I am a head coach. like I, this this is something I can do. So I love that they were able to kind of see that in you before you could see mm-hmm. that in yourself. So what's it been like? telling us about, um so how many years have you been the head coach, and how did this year? culminate and what i mean by that is rarely is it this one year uh we had 20 transfers and this one freshman went from being a 16 foot long jumper to 25 like it's usually a culmination up to this year talk to us about that process
2: yeah so i've i've been been with sally since about like 2015 or 16 i can't remember it's 15 or 16 but I've been the head coach since about 2018, the wintertime.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so we get to the spring 2019, the lucky to win a state state championship. I think we won by like maybe ten. No, no, not even maybe like six, seven points. But we squ- we squeaked wow. it out, got a state championship in 2019. That was awesome.
1: That's a big uh, deal.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was that was huge at the time. That was again, that was the first one where I was like, oh wow, we, that was our first state championship, and that was that. You know, it's always the, the most special one. Sure. And you get in your head, and you're like, "Oh, like win the state championship as a head coach, like you did it. Like you're gonna be happy. And it's like nah, like you just you, it, <laughs> it just doesn't work like that because then you're just fixing to next year. I mean, sure. you enjoy it. You enjoy it in the moment, but like you struggle, you struggle with that. Indoor season the next year, we squeaked out another one in indoor, very tight, um but a hell hell of a job by our guys. Four by four came through big, wow. um got got helped out with some relay. 2020 season goes down the toilet because of COVID. Um, Very confident we would have had a team that would have just put a hurting on people. I think that year we had some, some studs. One of my, I me and my coaches joke a lot of times is like, uh, like I'll be the recruiter. You know, I just got to get them some bodies Mm. and I got to get them the kids. And I, and I will control the hallways (laughs) like a, Psychopath trying to get guys to to come do track. It's it's definitely why I keep my hands still in football because I need those guys to. Mm. I, I need those guys on, on the team with me because I'm like I'm just looking at you. I'm like you could be the best track and field athlete in in the whole state and you don't even realize it. Like just eyeing up the calves,
3: <laughs> looking at
2: those jumping calves, and I'm like you you're a 45 foot triple jumper jumper man. You just don't know it yet. You know you think you're a running back. You're a triple jumper jumper. So fast forward in there get to 2021 goes really good 2022 this last year again incredibly good we came shy of the state record for points at the at the state meet by seven points and mike truthfully it's because we kind of we had guys everybody did everybody did great we had unfortunately one of our best hundred guys fall started in the hundred our best hurdler who is a perfect example of a guy that we want. We asked him to do hurdles all outdoor season. He's a true hundred guy. And we asked him to switch to hurdles. He didn't put up a fight about it. Like, I mean, obviously you had to coach him up a little bit and get, support him mentally, but this kid, this is Amari Mathis. He's running at Maris now. He went out, did the hurdles, got so good, worked his way up to the number two seed at States, but he hit a hurdle in the prelims, fell. So like, and he was seated to get, I think, either eight or ten points. He was either seated one or two. So our hundred wow. guy fall started. So we threw away kind of like twenty points, eighteen, sixteen points right there. Wow. Um, just on those two events. I was um, expecting
1: to hear like the Cinderella, everything went perfect story. There, there's two big losses.
2: Yeah, yeah. Those those oh. were two huge losses. We're lucky that at one of my core beliefs and what we do here is we gotta be deep top to bottom. Hmm. I, the way it's structured in Delaware for the state meet is, you know, you have to qualify. Um, if you had an auto automatic qualifying mark, you're in, but the problem is like the it at three guys. So I, I got a really deep, uh, group of sprinters this year. The last couple of years, we have a really gr- deep group, historically of distance guys, but I can't enter like five or six guys in the States. Oh, I get okay. a cap of three guys in every event. Hmm so because of that, like my thought process is like, I want three guys in every event
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I want, you know, if, if you're good enough to qualify, you have a shot to get some points. And we've been, so the last couple of years, our depth has been unreal. I mean, we have entered three long jumpers, three triple jumpers, three, uh, three shot putters, usually three discus throwers. This year we got three pole bolters in the state of Delaware. Pole vaulting is not the strongest mm-hmm. event. We're lucky we have the top pole bolter in the state. But we were able – my pole vault coach was able to work with a couple of our guys, just get them clearing some heights, getting them over 11 feet. That was enough to get in this year and, boom, doing their thing. Uh, And that's just more points on the board. So it's how can we maximize our point total here by being deep throughout in all of our events?
1: I'm hearing you score in the sprints and hurdles, uh, which means relays. Uh, I'm hearing you score in the distance. Uh, You mentioned jumps uh, with pole vault even. Uh, I haven't heard throws. <laughs>
2: those are my, those are my guys, and uh, so I'm always I'm always trying to like last to to credit them. We had this year. I had I had my bet my deepest top two uh, throw throws group I've ever had. Like my one two guys, like Chris Galati and Jason Beesek. They went one two in Division One in the shot put this year. Wow. And they went I think two four in the discus um Chris was a, was a state champion in the shot in the outdoor season. Jason uh indoor season won the shot put. Um so they and they went I think 1-3 in the indoor season. Um so to get that for Chris too, like that kid absolutely just busted his ass for us all year. Everything I asked him to do, coming out, he just got so much better. I think he was like a 43 40 foot 4 foot thrower his junior year uh gets works his way up to 55 feet this outdoor season um never thrown disc before this year got to about 150 feet in disc was able to put some points up on the board um but i mean that those two very proud of them they were a huge part of, uh, of what we did and obviously you know how it is with the throws we're off on the side we're out <laughs> in the out in the field um very, very rarely i'm sure gill has made a couple nice tracks recently where you have the nice throwing cages on the inside mm-hmm. of the track that doesn't lend itself too well for high school meets though. Cause we right. have kids running around all over the place. Somebody will get killed. So, uh, they throw us on the side, but I, I always try to make sure they get, they get a little, a little pub.
1: You mentioned that this is more of a staff coach of the year award, which I 100% agree. Like I, on the college ranks, uh, conference, they're always giving out coach of the year, head coach of the year, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously it takes a strong leader to corral everything together. So, a hundred percent there is a uh the head coach has responsibilities of uh almost cat herding sometimes the athletes the staff uh the you know buses the whole nine right yeah but i've yet to see like on the college level on the conference side a conference ever be one with just the sprinters and that happened to be the head coach right uh it's it's you know they they got a sneak point in the shot put that they didn't think Mm -hmm. things like that right so i love there's several college conferences that are giving out coaching staffs of the year and I love that like that that's the way it all yeah. should be in my opinion for uh at least for track and field uh, football maybe you can make a case because of the personality and what the uh, head football coach has to do I don't know I don't live in that world but for track it, it's a staff e- even if a uh, an assistant coach's kids don't uh score that assistant coach has done other things for that program that have helped them win the conference title I guarantee it no no coach lives on their own on a on a staff high school or college so uh knowing that um, to, to, you you name these amazing athletes. Start break us down. Your staff who who's the the coaches yeah. there? Let's give some shout outs to these guys and gals <laughs> that obviously you're doing a great job leading and are doing a great job leading their event areas.
2: Yeah, and I, I like I said I'm a very small piece of the pie. Like with my throwers, I like fake as a, as a sprint guy here and there. Like during COVID, I started. I couldn't get in the weight room here at school. So I started sprint training because I needed something to do. And I, honestly, I get that. Like I knew some stuff here and there I was, I was good enough to be dangerous with the sprints, but that absolutely just like catapulted my sprint coaching sort of like journey or or quasi journey. But the guy that I've learned so much from is our sprints coach here. That's Steve Lee. Steve Lee um, has been with me since I got here at Sally's, you know, Joffrey hired him. Um, uh, he's a, He's a brilliant guy. He, he speaks like multiple languages. Um, he coached the Delaware, uh, the state record holder in the hundred and the two hundred, Lashawn Collins, wow. who ran at Houston for Leroy Burrell. Oh, yeah. So, so little old Lashawn Collins from Delaware, coached by Steve Lee.
3: Yeah, uh, and he's wow. and he's
2: down. He was down there at Houston with with Leroy and Carl and, and all those great sprint teams uh, that they had down there. Um, and Steve's another guy. Like he, he'll love to talk training with me. Um, and, and I've learned so much from him. Like, it's great having a guy who's much smarter than me on, on, on my staff. And it's the same thing with my distance, with my distance coach, Scott Davis is our head cross country coach. And he's, a uh, our distance coach here as well. He's a Sally's alum. Sally's is big uh, on their alumni. And we have a lot of alumni work in the building. Scott coaches here as an alumni. He doesn't work in the building. Another guy that's just brilliant. I mean, you want to talk about. Uh, scoring out meets you want to talk about just training philosophy and his record speaks for itself the guys he's put in the college uh, and the school records we've set um with those distance guys they're they're just incredible and from a coaching philosophy alone, like what Scott's been another guy who's kind of reinforced to me that like you can get so much more by doing less like mm. he he is a big like don't uh, i think out in chicago right like tony holler's out there i, I, mm-hmm. I like tony holler stuff a lot um, I think it's very like practical for high school coaches that like not burning the steak. Mm-hmm. He says that a lot of the times. And, uh, Scott is great at that, at, at sort of like not bleeding our guys dry mm-hmm. so that when they do go to college, they're not burnt out with mileage. Okay. Um, so he is, he is a, like a phenomenal, uh, approach to everything he does. Uh, Ace equals coaches distance with Scott as well. He's a former Spanish teacher here in our building. I got, uh, Charles Barillo helped support Steve Lee and the sprint guys as sprint with sprint coaching. Uh, Chuck Klaus, uh, works with our pole vaulters. He's a Sally's alumni. His sons all went through the Sally's track and field program. Um, they actually walked on at LSU for a brief period of time. So every time they were home, I was like, what's Boosh saying? What's Todd Lane <laughs> saying? Like, give me something. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love, I love asking them about that. Um, Uh, And of course, Joe Joffrey, who is our, my former head coach, but all these guys, the best thing about all of them is like, these are my friends. Mm. These aren't guys that we just coach together and that's it. These are guys like we get together and we go out to like Kid Chalene's in Wilmington and we go sit down and we, we talk training, and we talk track a ton, but we talk about a lot of other stuff. Like we're, we are friends and that's, what makes this even more fun and what makes this better. This isn't just like, Oh, I'll see you during track season. Like Mm. these are my friends. Like, and I like that. I get to see them as much as I do. And and we spend so much time together. It's their long season. So there's times where you're like, oh, I can't wait for this season to be over at this point. (laughs) We do get caught saying that a whole bunch, but at the end of the day, like we, we enjoy being with each other. My, uh, there's, there's a, uh, I'm not going to reference the guy, uh, but this is a guy from back in my Bosco days. He used to say this. And this is one of the truer things he definitely, definitely ever said. He, he used to talk about for programs and, and uh, building a program and, uh, that you had to have. I'm trying to think of the same. He would say you needed to have coaches that love players, players that love coaches, players that love players, and coaches that love coaches. Hmm. And that's a winning formula. And he would say that all the time. We would you know, it's like this is just coach speak. <laughs> and then I think about it now, it's like and it's so true. To have those things in place, you got a chance to be competitive, to be successful. Right? It's not it's not just about coaching kids hard and that's it. Like there's gotta be it's gotta be mutual throughout.
3: Coaches that love players, players that love coaches, players that love players, and coaches that love coaches.
1: I love that because I think those last two are probably oft forgotten. Like when you say coaches love players and players love coaches, there's like, oh yeah, perfect and period into end, end into sentence. But I love that take one step farther that you need players who love each other. You know, it's a team and team camaraderie and mm-hmm. culture. And you and this is probably the least thought of process: coaches that love coaches. Like you got to your staff and uh, support team have to be on the same page, so to speak. That's the drivers of the culture. So I, I love that last part. Well, uh, love those coaches. We're gonna come back to them for a second, uh, to win a state title, to you know, be a fault start away from uh, the most points scored. I mean, oh my gosh, I can't imagine how bad he feels. And it's not his fault at all. It's just so amazing to even be in that position, uh, to, to do something historic like that. There also takes an ecosystem around it, right? So uh, whether it's administrators, uh, uh, volunteer parent helpers, uh, you know, working home meets officials, who, who else helped? in this culmination of this amazing season for you there yeah
2: well i gotta shout out michael portali real quick because that's the kid who Paul started uh, michael is michael is the the best at right now he is the best printer to ever come through Silesiana and uh, he he's he's got a lot of school records to show for it and he's not doing too bad he's, he's running up at columbia nope, so he's, yeah. he's he's smart to boot so he's gonna yeah. be all right yeah, but, you're, uh, you're
1: you're fine, Michael. It's quite okay.
2: <laughs> when when I'm good. answering
1: to you as my boss one day, Michael, just remember I shouted you out. Okay, just uh, remember that.
2: <laughs> um, but as far as that that admin uh, point, yeah, I think any program that runs well is because you got people at the top who are supportive of it. I mean, that would above me. That would start with the last couple of years. We've we've had a, a couple transitions at AD. Um, when I first got here, it was Mike Hart. Mike Hart is a legend for Sleazan. I mean, Maybe he's been here over – he was here over 30-plus years. Um, long, long time AD at Sally's and always took care of us. A staunch supporter of track and field would show up at our state meets. Um, when Mike was at as AD, uh, transitioned to Scott Mosier. Scott Mosier was our AD for a couple of years. He's our head soccer coach. He runs a national caliber soccer program. Um, again, Scott would always try to give us what we need would always be, uh, first to congratulate us, you know, things went well. Most recently, uh, we transitioned to Katie Godfrey is our athletic director here at Sally's. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I think when they, when she made the transition to AD, I think they said she might be the first female AD at an all boys private high school in the country. Mm -hmm. I don't know that, but regardless It is fitting if that's the case, because she is a trailblazer woman. Hmm. She is just an absolute workhorse. And she almost is like, I I feel like almost like take advantage, like collectively we may take advantage of it sometimes because she's, I've never seen somebody so giving with their time in terms of athletics and supporting us. I mean, Oh my God. I'm like, I'm I'm like almost speechless. She, Hmm. especially, you know, how track coaches can be, uh, I, scheduling isn't always fluid with us I, I, and i don't know if that's the case with uh in other programs but for like indoor for example or outdoor uh you know we like pivot our schedule sometimes on the fly it's not like it's not like nick saban in alabama where it's like no nah, you, you guys are playing texas this mm-hmm. weekend and then you go you know you're going down to florida and and that's it it ain't changing but for a high school athletic director that can be that can be a huge pain
3: mm-hmm. to
2: just be, you know, calling them up a couple of days earlier. It's like, Hey, can we get two vans and take <laughs> kids down to Virginia beach this weekend? Cause we want to go to the East coast invite down to Virginia beach.
3: Right.
2: Um, you know, well, can we get hotel rooms? Can we do this? And she's there. And, and I apologize to her so much because I'm like, Katie, I know you must hate me. I'm so sorry. Um, and she swears she, she's not mad at me. So, but she's only two years on the job here now doing that. So like, we'll see if time will, will right. wait on her eventually. <laughs> but certainly she's one of the most staunch supporters of us. But our school in general is, uh, athletics isn't necessarily the only thing we do well, but it's, I think throughout the state, throughout the country, it's one of the things we're most like nationally recognized for. I think Silesian has over like 170 state championships in, in the state of Delaware. And it's, uh, granted, I know it's Delaware. Delaware is a smaller state, um, but some of the performances on a national level, I mean, we have a nationally ranked lacrosse program, nationally ranked soccer program. Um, Our track and field program is not doing too shabby. Um, They don't, I don't, I don't see too many national rankings out there for uh, track and field programs, but you know, we've been putting guys in, in nationals nonstop, putting guys in college nonstop. Uh, So it's, it's a testament to like, it's part of like our culture. I think it's part of our foundation, our DNA here at Sally's is that, you know, athletics matters and, it 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 should be important to you it 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 should be something that matters it's not necessarily just like yes we want everyone to come out in here have fun but it's also like uh it goes it goes beyond simply just like let's have a good time it's 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 a community it's you are you're, you're doing it for the 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 S on the chest you're doing it for in football we say the gold helmet right you're doing it for the 16,000 people the 16,000 strong people who are behind you In everything you do, right? I I would tell the guys that all the time. It's like we got sixteen thousand people behind us Mm. in everything we do, every step of the way, right? Like that's that's what it is here. It's out. It it matters.
1: With roughly a thousand students, do you know what percentage are in athletics? There,
2: that's a good question. I, I would have to say, sounds
1: pretty high with all the programs that you have there. Yeah,
2: and we're lucky. Yeah. Actually, when I say we're lucky, as a track coach, we might not be lucky because our lacrosse team is so good, mm. and because we have other sports like rugby and we have volleyball. Wow! And some of those, like rugby, is non-cut. Those mm. are those are we got kids who go do those sports. I'm like,
3: damn, like, <laughs> that kid did
2: track. Oh my god! You know we lose out on kids sometimes because mm. of that. Um, but we do have a, a plethora of off- offerings here, and uh, yeah, I, I would I would be confident in saying I think it's over like sixty percent. Wow. Yeah, it's That's it's awesome. a lot that we. Yeah, we got a we got a very big athletic program, um, and a lot of sports to offer up to guys.
1: That's awesome. Um, and w-
2: lots of schools are cutting their freshman and JV programs, and we we almost in every sport can field you know a JV and a freshman program. <laughs> um, so we're lucky in that regard.
1: Let's go back to this coaching staff you have there. What role does coaching education? You talked about you guys get together, you'll you'll talk coaching philosophy and X's and O's. Uh, what kind of external coaching education? What role does that play for you guys?
2: I I, I think it varies like person to person. Um, collectively as a unit, we haven't done like a like I think we've all done our own trainings, like you know, been the level one. Done plenty of, of course. we done lots of flying around over the country to, or uh, driving around to see people. During COVID, uh, it was great to have the access to some of the Zoom uh, webinars that we had. Mm-hmm. So many of those are just even posted online for free, and you know, I'm just I'll be finding new ones every week and watching something new. Uh, Steve Lee, who I mentioned, our sprints coach, he's he needs no uh, guidance on that. He goes and does something almost just about every year, whether mm-hmm. he's hopping on a plane. You know, he's DMing coaches on Instagram. I think he's talked to, like, Mike Young a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I know he's met. It's funny. Like, he's, he went to Chula Vista last year, or oh, maybe yeah. two years. No, not two years ago because that was COVID. But he went to Chula Vista not too, too long ago, and he's sending me a picture he took with Ryan Krauser. Huh. Um, and I'm like, oh, my God, like got to ask him X, Y, and Z for me. <laughs> um, he, he he does everything. But in a grand scheme of things here, to your point, is the coaching education stuff matters just as much because – you can't get complacent as a coach. You can't uh, just be like, "Well, I think this is a Tony Holler thing." It's like a lot of coaches are like, "Oh, well, that's what I did when I was in high school. So that's what I'm going to do." And it's like, "Well, a lot of your coaches in high school when you were in high school back in the day are Neanderthals, you know." And and they'll do things that, frankly, are like stupid or detrimental to your training. Like, yeah, let's do, you know, let's let's try to get fast by doing a ton of repeat 200s. Right. I mean, that ain't going to work. Um, it, maybe it worked for some guys, but a lot of times you get you get some freaks and you know anything you do with them is going to work right. so it's about it's about learning and about not getting complacent trying to get better all the time and mm-hmm. what and what you're doing um i've been out to west side barbell oh, um, yeah. uh, louis simmons is one of the first guys that i I, like, I was scared of the weight room as a high school kid i was just a fat kid who was just big so i got by on just being a big body but i was afraid of the weight room and Louie I think is what got me into the weight room huh. um, and getting to go out there. I and mean, he just passed away in March um, was something that was very cool. Um,
1: talk, talk That is a name that we have not mentioned in a hundred and almost 80 episodes uh, for those of us who don't know Louis Simmons, I've saw the documentary and knew about him by name and lore. Um, you know, I yeah. I wonder if we did mention him. Judd Logan would have mentioned him back in his episode back in the day. So oh I wonder. And there's there's two great gentlemen we've lost uh, here recently, Judd and and Louis. But talk to us about Louis because you, you talk about culture and you talk about growing really deep in a small segment, right? Louis. When you talk about you are afraid of the weight room, well, that guy invented weight room. (laughs) I mean, he was just a talk to us. Give us a kind of a uh, your thirty thousand foot level of who Louis Simmons was, and then talk about your experience working with him.
2: Well, I can't believe I forgot to mention Judd Logan. And you're right; they do go hand in hand because Judd had visited West Side a couple Mm -hmm. of times and references Louis or referenced Louis a lot in his training. Um, Yeah, rest in peace to Judd. I mean, just Mm -hmm. talk about for me as a head coach who's also a throws coach and a thrower. Judd uh-huh. is like my model,
3: uh-huh. um,
2: and his podcast you did with him uh, was incredible. I, I enjoyed that a great deal. But Louis is everything you think he's going to be, everything that you see in videos and that you read online about Louis. As when you meet him in person, he is that guy. I think the one thing that's missed is that he um, he is so willing to share, and that's not even that like that's not even that like earth shattering because people always say how willing he was to share. Um, he really was. And you go and talk to him like he was, he was a great teacher of what he was doing and his methods. And, um, you know, it, it, as much as the focus was on the powerlifting and people focusing on, on the steroids, you know, what he did and what his programming has done and how it's being used in college weight rooms, high school weight rooms across the country can't be denied. It can't be argued mm-hmm. that his methods can be applied to build some absolute stud athletes. Um, and do I use them exclusively? No like I've used them plenty of times, but I mean, Louis. Louis he's known for quotes too. I'm trying to off the top of my head, like strength is never a weakness. That's hundred percent true. Scientifically. I mean, maximal strength, Louis says all the time is the foundation of all other qualities. So if you want to be that, uh, you want to emphasize great flexibility in your athletes or in your throwers or maximal speed, well, you better be strong, mm. right? You have, you have to be strong and, um, uh, God, you know, uh, I'm sure other people know this too. Him talking about um, those movies. He, he loved those samurai movies. Oh. He loved like uh, like Shogun Assassin is the one that I always think of. And I think they reference that in the uh, in, in that West Side vs. the World documentary. Mm-hmm. And there's that, it's a chilling video where you see him. Um, he talks about choosing the ball or choosing the sword. And that it's a clip from Shogun Assassin. And in the movie, in Shogun Assassin, if the kid chooses the ball he's choosing that he's going to go to heaven with his mother. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to go to death or he could choose the sword, which is to choose life. So Louie, I think in the clip says, you either choose the ball or you choose the sword. If you choose the ball, um, you know, death be upon you. He says, if you choose the sword, you'll follow me on a journey into hell. And that's what this gym is a journey into hell. You know, it makes it sound <laughs> real appealing.
3: Yeah. Right. Um <laughs>
2: But that, that's kind of in part what it is, like this, the whole coaching thing as it is. It's like I've talked about it. I mean, I stress myself out so much. I get so worked up about things. I question myself internally. It is kind of like a journey into hell in a lot of ways. Like internally, mm-hmm. like, it, like it can be. I mean, it's also one of the most rewarding things you ever do. Uh, but I think why it feels so good when you have that success is because of all the, the hell you put yourself through to do this. I think that's anything in, in life that's worthwhile is hard. Uh, I, right. I, I, I would, I would say that, right. The, the good times feel so much better because of yeah. like the, the tough stuff you go through.
1: hundred percent. Right. It, from relationships to athleticism, to our education, a hundred percent. I, I, that would be one thing. I don't challenge a lot of people, but that would be one thing I would challenge most people if they ever said, Oh, no, no, you could have good without bad. You can have all high without low. That's like, mm-hmm. mm, I'm not sure that that works at all uh, in any (laughs) aspect of life. Well, Tim, let's, uh, let's embarrass you here a little bit. Uh, Let's pivot from two greats, Louis Simmons, Jed Logan to another great. uh, And that's you, my friend, I would love to know. uh, I wish you could see his face right now. I did that. I was totally setting you up there, Tim, I knew it because you love to talk about yourself. I'm being sarcastic. If You can't tell. Uh, But our (laughs) friend Tim here, you, uh, at some point, This year, you were notified, I'm assuming, I actually don't know the process, but I feel like this would be the process, that you were the boys uh, state coach of the year for Delaware. Is that correct?
2: Yes. So I had got that this year. I had won that a time or two previously, I believe, as well. And so that what, alone, I thought was very
1: cool. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So what uh, what did that feel when you got the notification that USTFCA sent you and says, hey, congratulations, you're going to get this really cool. I love the trophy, actually. It's really, really Yeah, sharp. it's a real track. That's great, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I and I can't, uh, I almost forgot this. Uh, I'm glad you, what, we mentioned that trophy. Shout out to the US Marines. They're one of the sponsors uh, through USTFCCA for this award. And so, so thankful that we have support from outside entities. We can't just do this uh, track thing with only track people and track businesses and track fans we need outside sources as well and so shout out to the u.s marines for sponsoring this uh, amazing coach of the year award through the ustfccca so you get this notification hey uh, out of all the coaches in delaware there's a lot you are the boys coach of the year for delaware what did that mean to you when you got that
3: I'm trying to think of like an answer that's not a cliche <laughs> where it's like oh it meant everything <laughs> It. It's
2: nice to feel validated. I think. I mean, I, I told you my wrestling with like, uh, you know, thinking external rewards and uh, just winning championships is necessarily going to make me happy. Uh, but that being said, it's still nice to to see that like people recognize you for the things you do. I think we all want to feel appreciated and valued in what we do, right? If if Gil gave you a trophy, saying, "Mike, like sales sales guy of the year this year," right? I mean, that would it goes a long way. I think I think people enjoy hey, things boss,
1: like that. boss, I know you listened to this podcast. You heard what he said, right? I just want to – if you need to hit repeat on that, boss, just go ahead. Just just saying. All right, keep going, Tim. Sorry, I just just had to put that on record. That's all.
2: Yeah, it's um, – you know, I think, it, again, it's a testament to the guys we have at Sally's, to the coaches on the staff. It feels good to have hard work rewarded. Um, so to, to earn that award similar, if that's state coach of the year, national coach of the year, and we're going to call it staff of the year, I would say it's the same thing at the state level. I mean, Mm -hmm. I truly feel like every time we go out to a meet, I got the best staff in the state, and I would take any of my guys up against anybody else any day of the week. Like I go out with them; like those are my guys. Um, So it 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 feels validated. That's 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 the best word I could describe. Very grateful, very humble. It's awesome.
1: Any inkling that you would then be named out of the fifty-one other boys coaches of the year and we're you know i ain't got to do a geography lesson here florida texas california all the quote-unquote great high school track uh, states that we have here illinois ohio there's some ma- massive amounts of track coaches and track talent that comes out any inkling at all that from this little state of delaware that you are going to be named the national boys coach of the year
2: no absolutely not zero inkling and people after it came out, it was just, I mean, it was a whirlwind of people calling and texting and emailing and sharing stuff. I'm not a uh, social media guy, Mike. I actually don't have a, uh, like a, you know, I don't have like, like Twitter and Instagram or anything like that. It's, 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 that's just, it's never been, been me. People keep saying I should do start doing that. And I don't know, maybe I will one day, but I don't have anything. So my wife shows me a lot of stuff. Uh, and uh, when I, when I got the news that people were asking, me, it was like, Oh, it's so like, did you have to apply for that? And I was like, I swear to God, I did not talk to anybody about this. I got a, a nice message from Christina from USTFFC, I mean, CCA and I just read it and I just read it back to myself. I'm like, no, I was like, they gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I, I was like, because I can think of, I can just think of so many coaches that, you know, I know from back home in New York and New Jersey, eight coaches, everywhere and i'm like and they chose me i was like how the hell did they get to that conclusion uh but i but i loved it too i mean because it it is again it feels validating it feels of of not just me but like of what we do collectively of Mm -hmm. our guys and our team and our program and yeah it's 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 nice to be recognized do i think i'm do i truly think I'm like the, the 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 coach of the year. There could, there's a thousand other people who could honestly be a hundred percent. I'll take it. I love it. I'm very grateful for it. I'm so happy that they are going to be taking me out to Denver this, this December uh, to go to the convention. They even offered me an opportunity to present. And I'm, again, something a little scared about doing, but a challenge. I don't want to have any regrets because I don't think I'm going to get another chance to ever do that. So I'm going to come up with something. I'm going to try to impart some wisdom on somebody. Um, and and me and Courtney are going to go and enjoy our time out there and hope to learn a lot, meet a lot of people um, out there.
1: I love know? that. Do, do you have to, or are you... 100% leaning towards speaking on something technical, like high school shop pudding or uh, discus? Or can you talk about because this is where my passion lies. in. so this is uh, 100% self serving here, uh, how to organize a high school program, how to build up to a state championship caliber type of those kind of, you know, more philosophical organizational type of topics.
2: Yeah, I got to talk with them again about what they would allow and not allow. Mm-hmm, sure. But certainly if I just wanted to bore everybody to death in there, <laughs> I would just do another shot put presentation. Sure, right. And I could be like, here's how you hold the shot. <laughs> right, right, here's, right. here's how you hold the disc. Right, you know, right. like like I'm talking to people who don't know how to do that. <laughs> I think especially I, I when uh, you know we, we talked earlier about the the Viper's track club recently mm-hmm. and I, I believe coach Lowe had the title of like director of track mm-hmm. and field operations, right? Mm-hmm. Not as like a head coach. And I love that. Because that a lot of times in my role, like that's how I feel too, is like Mm -hmm. like like a director of operations. Like I so much of my time is behind the scenes stuff that's Mm not right out there on the track, even though I'm out on the track every day. But there's that whole other world behind you. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be maybe for if there's high school coaches in attendance, even more valuable to do something like that. I was I was thinking about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, how about how to what to expect when you become a head high school coach. So we have a ton of more assistant track coaches in the high school level than we do head coaches, right? And yeah. some percentage, I'm betting pretty big, uh, think that they want to be the head coach and don't really know what that entails. Uh, so yeah. whether it's scheduling, budgeting, um, disciplinary, uh, you know, other things in your athletic department that because you're a head coach now, you're expected to work football games or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that, that would be very, um, so that's more professional development style of, um, of a topic of, Hey, uh, you want to become a head coach? Well, let me tell you my experience. I went from an assistant to a head and here's all the things I had to learn. Maybe you can yeah. learn them now and be a mile ahead of me when you become a head coach one day. Yeah. I just have a passion. I know USTFCA does an amazing job. Uh, you know, the technical speakers that are there. I mean, it's, it's the who's who it's the Bush X-Nighters, Judd Logan spoke, you know, it's, you mm-hmm. learn so much, uh, Jim Sprecher taught, uh, on, uh, multiple multi-athlete long jumpers like you know long jump triple jump and who also has to be a high jumper or who has to be a sprinter or a hurdler or things like that those are awesome extremely valuable for audience members to listen and take notes and, and become better on but i just want more and more of the development of people who choose to be coaches you know how to yeah uh, I, I hate the word work-life balance but how do you work life balance as a head or as a coach whether it's on the college or high school level how do you how do you balance coaching in high school while also being a teacher, teacher alone is a more than full-time job. Now add a whole nother sport, a whole nother job on top of it. That to me is something that is not talked about. We, we like to, um, uh, over lift college coaches in the sense of like, oh, they work 24, seven, 365. And they do. It's the Worst sport in the world and what i mean by that is there is no day off you know nationals is in june if you have a kid go to u.s it's june and july july 1 yeah. starts recruiting uh the kids are back on campus um in august and cross-country season and off-season practice starts but there is no there are no days off there are yeah. none for high school there might be i don't know i haven't coached high school in 20 oh, oh man 25 years oh my god i'm old a uh, long time um but i wasn't a teacher so i mean Add being a teacher and doing a coaching track that is also uh, 365 247, and you're dealing with younger uh, uh, people 14 to 18 instead of 18 to 22, which can have its positive and benefits. So, yeah, I would love, uh, you know, someone of your experience and where you are in your career uh, as a coach and teacher to talk about, like, whether it's something about the head coaching side of it or just, um, you know philosophy of, of building a program because you've obviously done a, a great job there uh with your staff building a, a great program man
2: well thank you and and i i truthfully might be the worst person to give a presentation on that because like as i say and i don't say this to be like a martyr i say it because it's just i'm aware of it i my work-life balance is atrocious and mm-hmm. part of it's probably also coaching football because
3: mm-hmm.
2: i then go right from football to indoor to outdoor mm-hmm. the summer is really my time to kind of have a rest but mm-hmm. you know we do nationals and mm-hmm. whatnot, but. Uh, yeah, what I could say to somebody is like have an amazing wife you know I'm yeah, so 100%. lucky that
1: your spouse is a uh, 100% an asset absolutely
2: <laughs> it, you know Co- Courtney is so supportive of this because she knows this is what I do and this is what I like to do mm-hmm. um and she you know she's spent many uh, a weekend sometimes without me around or a night around without me around and um like thank god for her that for multiple reasons, but thank God for, in that sense that she is okay with me Hmm. doing what I'm doing. Like, I'm very grateful that I have, you know, somebody like that in my life who supports this when, when, when it would be understandable if they didn't.
1: Courtney, I know you're listening. Shout out to you because uh, our coaches can't do it without our spouses uh and 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 that's whether you are a male or female coach and your spouse is male or female whatever it's spouses it's family it's a family uh profession uh you you mentioned courtney was on the team there at delaware was she a thrower as well or was she a different (laughs) event
2: courtney is very funny courtney was a started out she wasn't even going to do uh track really in college um her dad is the was the superintendent of their school district where she went to high school he was a former principal and he had talked to the track coach. be like send this stuff to delaware like see you know see if something could happen so she ended up doing uh she ended up starting out in the fall where she was originally going to be club Hmm. so coach pratt gets all of us out in the fall he's it's where he teaches all the newbies how to throw hammer so he took us out back and we're throwing hammer with carl shields who's a guy who used to work with yuri so carl like knows what he's doing like uh so we're out back throwing, and I swear, I swear to God, I'm like Courtney picked up the hammer in like two days. Like I and Coach Pratt, Coach Marlene to this day still say I, I've never seen somebody pick the hammer up as fast as she did. Wow. Lo and behold, Coach goes, Coach Pratt goes to the girls' coach at the time and says, "We got to get her on the roster. <laughs> uh, like she's going to score points." So they get her up from club on the varsity she goes on to set the freshman record that year in the hammer. And she, you know, she scores at CAAs that year. Wow. Um, so Courtney was a, was a hammer thrower uh, and she, and she threw discus as well. She was uh, not it was, hammer was her primary, but she threw uh she threw some disc as well.
1: Well, um, I, I knew I liked her cause the hammer is the best throwing event, in my opinion. So any hammer thrower, I just have so much love for cause it's a, a beautiful event. I love it. I it love is her.
2: beautiful to watch.
1: Tim, man uh, you know, one of the most valuable things you can give me is your time. And I'm just so grateful for your time here. And what's so awesome. It's, uh, when you're listening to this, it's the middle of October. So we are less than two months away. I can't wait to meet you and Courtney in person in Denver, man. That's going to be, uh, so yeah. much fun. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful hotel. I just got my hotel room the other day and I just, it's, it's my most favorite events. I do a lot of events, uh, throughout the years, throughout the year. And this, reign supreme the us tfccca convention is easily my most favorite time of the year uh because yeah. it's it's when we have a majority of coaches together that aren't stressed meaning you're not at a track meet <laughs> uh track season really kind of hasn't started as far as meets and travel i know there's some december meets but you know it isn't january and uh, and and may and april or, um, march and april just yet and so people are just happy and excited and pumped for the season. And it's really just an amazing, amazing week. If if you're listening right now, and you've never been to the convention, go, go look at it, go on the website. If you just Google USTF CCCA uh, 2022 convention, it'll bring up the website and look at the amazing speakers. uh, Just the everything from the uh, Bowerman Award, the Hall of Fame Award, it really is fundamental for your development as a coach, not only in the X's and O's because of the speakers, but also in the relationship. You know, if you're a high school coach in Arizona and you get to meet Tim, the high school coach in Delaware, there's things you can learn from each other. It's like, well, how do you do that in Delaware? Well, how do you do that in Arizona? Uh, what do you struggle here? Well, how do you get over that? That That's where, you know, they talk about the midnight conversations um, in the lobby and at the uh, the uh, the hallway. It, it's true. By the way, they happen at 6 a.m. as well, if you're an early bird, they happen 24 seven. Uh, and I would just, you just got to go check it out and maybe Denver's not the right, uh, location for you. Uh, but it travels the, uh, the country every year and would love to, to see you out there. And Tim, I can't wait to see you and Courtney out there, man. It's going to mm-hmm. be, it's going to be exciting, man. I love it. It's such a, such a fun time and what a great way to honor, uh, just another, one of our amazing high school track and field coaches out there. Cause what you do is truly, truly, I can't stress this enough. Invaluable whether you're doing this, and I love that you're from Delaware, man, because we give a lot of hype to uh, Florida and Texas and California, and those coaches deserve it, not taken away from them. But we forget sometimes that there are guys like you, there are Tim Burns in Delaware, Maine, uh, middle of nowhere, Idaho, North Dakota, et cetera, that are doing the thing, man. You are affecting 14 to 18-year-olds' kids lives in a positive, positive manner, where you have two kids or 200 kids on your team, what you are doing, it's irreplaceable and it's immeasurable, the positive impact, the role model that you and your staff are having with those kids there. And much like your experience from high school uh, with coaches and going through college, those, these kids will remember you and the times that they're having for the rest of their lives. And they're going to go on to become bankers and lawyers and, uh, business owners and clerks and moms and dads. And they'll always come back to the lessons that you taught them, you and your staff taught them, man. So I'm just so, so grateful. I love that USTFCCA does this award because we're honoring people that are just simply doing the stuff, man, in a positive manner. And so I'm so thankful for what they do here with the coaches of the year awards. And I'm so thankful that this year, uh, this little little school, well, it's not little, thousand people, but this school in Delaware uh, gets honored in the work that you and your staff do, man.
2: Yeah, De- hey, Delaware, Delaware is tiny. I mean, it, it's you know, for me, it's it has a, one of the most special places in my heart. Coming from New York and New Jersey, where it's you know, <laughs> I'm you know, my my father grew up in the Bronx. Uh, oh, you know, spent a whole bunch of my life in New York City, right outside there, and De- Delaware is it, it's little, but it packs a punch. I mean, we got guys here with. Great place to live too, man. You know, in and out of Philly in less than thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I jet home when I need to to, to go see my uh, my mom, um, see my sisters. You know, going to New York all the time. Um, but Delaware for me is a very very special place. I love that this is also uh, just getting Delaware maybe a little yeah. bit more recognition than it usually does. Hundred um, percent. It's uh, if if, if uh, I don't know if you're a beach guy, Mike, come down and check our beaches out. We got good yeah, beaches yeah. down here. You you'd. you'd uh,
1: Def- definitely like that one day. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, Tim, thank you again for being here today, man. Again, you know, you're in the middle of, of teaching and your classes and in, in school, man. So I'm always thankful when uh, guys like you can carve out some time for us here and really provide value for listeners. You know, that's the two objectives we have here with this podcast is one to uplift and honor your journey in this amazing profession, but also for those that were just so humbled to, uh, that would listen to us here on the podcast and you number in the thousands. It's crazy how rabid you track coaches are to hear about other track coaches. I love it. Uh, but to bring value to them, right. So, so that they can hear and see how you and your staff are putting together for the team, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, the experiences you've had, it's super valuable, man. I'm just so grateful for you, uh, to be here today and give value to to listeners and to be able to uplift and honor your journey, my man.
2: No, I'm happy to do it. And every podcast that I've listened to for the guild podcast, like I can, I have always taken away like one or two things and that's, uh, that's worth it, right? You you might get an hour and a half of content, but if you could take away one or two things that you can like either think on or dwell on a little bit, implement, uh, then it's worth it. It's it's great.
1: I love it man. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Last week we had Sam Seams. if you missed that, he's the CEO of USTFCCCA. Go back and check out his journey. It's it's quite interesting. Uh it's it's amazing. He's a track guy through and through, 100%. Uh Tim here, it was is the 2022 Boys National Coach of the Year through USTFCCA. Shout out to the US Marines for sponsor that. Next week, so we got a trifecta here. We got a little uh Coach of the Year sandwich if you ha- if you will. Uh the girls coach of the year and i love tim's from delaware well desmond duncan uh dunham sorry from washington dc i love that it's another one of these we don't talk about dc track field but guess what it's hopping uh, over in dc for track and field so come back next week we'll check out the girls coach of the year desmond dunham uh and tim man thank you so much appreciate you guys being here let's come back next week and we'll do it all over again have a good one
2: thanks mike
0: Mike what an incredible journey coach has been on so awesome to hear their story in their own words tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel and don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast you just might get a shout out on a future episode that's it for today join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach